Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to Go Ask Alley, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. As a stand-up comedian, of which I am not, I tried it but once. But you are hilarious, and I've been your fan forever. Oh, thank you. You know, I should say right now, I'm married, so I'm off the table. We could do weekends. Get your bullshit detector and get it honed. Are you mad about something? Go out and seek people who are mad about related things, and also listen to them if part of what they're mad about is you. You actually look for those little kernels of hope. They jump out at me. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the good stuff. I think it is the good stuff, and I think we need the good stuff, always. Welcome to Go Ask Allie. I'm Allie Wentworth. This season, I am digging into everything I can get my hands on. I'm just peeling back the layers and getting dirty. You know, a few weeks ago, we got a question about how to end a friendship. Our listener said, I'm not the type to ghost people, but I don't want to have a sit down, cringy conversation, which got us thinking because I think every woman I know has either been broken up with by a friend or broken up with a friend. There's really no clear way to do it. When you're in a romantic relationship, it's very easy to. You could say, you cheated on me. We're arguing all the time. Um, It's not me. It's you. But with friendship, there's just not an easy way to get out of it. And there's nothing worse than being deep into a friendship and sort of seeing the cracks, as they say, and suddenly you go, God, I don't really want to be friends with this person anymore. What do I do? This episode is about the friendships that don't work out. How the hell do you get out? 
I'm very excited about my guest, Danielle Byer Jackson. She's a certified friendship coach. What's that? Well, you're going to find out. Speaker and founder of Friend Forward, a platform dedicated to teaching women how to create and sustain meaningful friendships. Her advice has been featured in NBC News, and the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, the Insider. And Danielle is also the host of the Friend Forward podcast. Well, hello, fellow podcaster, Danielle. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this chat. Well, okay. So before we delve deep into the friendship divorce, explain what a friendship coach is and how the hell did you get into that specific genre? I'm not surprised that it's got you thinking like, what in the world, right? It's funny because when I do share what I do with other people, I get the side eye, right? I get people who are like, oh, that's that's adorable. Good for you. No, I'm getting like, how much do you yeah. cost an hour? Because I need you right away. <laughs> No, I appreciate that. You know, a friendship coach, I always say, you know, it's normal to get support in every other area of your life. If you're an entrepreneur and you go and get a business coach, people are like, oh my God, that's so like wise of you. Or you're struggling in your marriage, a counselor. So why not somebody to support you in what I would argue is, is one of the most important relationships you'll ever have? Um, you know, and I work with women. So, you know, female friendships. And so, you know, I was actually a high school English teacher for six years and I left the classroom to get into PR. And it's funny because I made the foolish mistake of thinking, Oh, I'm out of, you know, high school. I'm not going to have to help them through their drama. Little did I know, you know, adults, we have our, our issues too. And so I was just curious one night and I went on Amazon and I searched friendship books. And of the few results that came back, most of them were for children. And I thought, is this what we think? a friendship that a kid would need help. But if you're an adult, like you should have it together. And so long story short, I started going down the rabbit hole and, and, you know, I already had my education background and started doing friendship stuff and talking to psychologists about it. And so for the past four years, that's, that's the, the role I've been serving in. And it's been a really fun journey so far. Well, congratulations. <laughs> we could we could use a friendship coach. And so let me start by saying I have two teenage daughters. So I have found that I sometimes go through the exact same thing that they're going through. And so not only have I been sort of charting my own waters when it comes to female friendships, I suddenly have two teenage girls coming to me mm. and asking for my advice on stuff. And there are some things I think I'm pretty good at, but there are other things where I'm like, I don't know, maybe she is ghosting you, you know, like, I don't know. So I'm going to soak up like a sponge everything you give me today. So we're just starting to come out of COVID. And I think it's been kind of a universal thing, particularly for women, that during this time, besides baking a lot of bread, we have reassessed our friendships. Everybody I've spoken to has said that because suddenly it comes down to like, who do I want to spend my time with and who makes me feel good? Yeah. One of the most common um, things people were coming to me for during the pandemic was, you know, help because I'm starting to see my friend differently. And I think with everything with, you know, the social justice movement last summer, last summer, summer before, oh my God, mm -hmm. with masking or not masking and who did you vote mm -hmm. for? It was like a big, it was stirring the pot and a lot of stuff came to the surface. So all at once we were looking sideways at our friends, like, hold on, you believe what now? You know, you voted yeah. for who now? And so I think yep. there is like this, this sifting right now that's, I almost think the pandemic kind of like expedited the process of sifting through your people and taking a friendship inventory because values are important. And maybe you had some realizations 
with the social justice movement and, and you don't want to live or think a certain way. You know, I know for a lot of my black friends and I'm a black woman, I have lesser tolerance for certain things because I'm just like, I, I can't anymore. That person's not a bad person, but I'm evolving, very evolving, and we might not come back together. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. So once you've gone through that funnel, you have a lot of, I'll call them co-stars in your life that you realize like are a little bit toxic or actually never made you feel good, but you don't know how to get rid of them. And that is something I've heard from 12-year-olds and I've heard from 84-year-olds. So here we are right now, today, in this moment, I'm asking you, I have somebody in my life who... I don't think is good for me. I think is toxic for me, that talks shit about me. I don't know how to extricate them from my life without there being a lot of drama and I don't want to get hurt in the process. What do I do, friendship coach? Yeah, you said a lot of really good things there because we do think, okay, I'm clear on letting this go, but I'm so nervous about, you know, all the consequences socially, emotionally. I'm so nervous and I want to avoid that, but I'm clear on letting somebody go. So the first thing I always bring up when it comes to the conversation of releasing a friendship is to make sure that we're not releasing them prematurely. Because what I've noticed is a lot of us, we have female friendships that end prematurely, in my opinion, because we don't want to have a conversation. Conversation. So we have not given this friend a chance to correct herself. We have not made the boundary known. We are telling everybody else that she did this and that, but we never told her about it because we want to spare her feelings. So if you are trying to cut someone off, but you have not yet done the work of making it known what the issue is and giving them a chance to self-correct, if it's appropriate, then I would say perhaps we're acting a little you know, too soon. But if you've done that work and you're like, oh, Daniel, I'm ready. Okay, next step. The mm -hmm. first thing I want you to get clear on is when you have that conversation, you want to focus more on what it is you need as opposed to their perceived inadequacies. So instead of me saying, you know what, you're just to this, you're just not this enough. That's all rooted in her. But the reality is I am looking for something and I don't get it here. That way we're not like personalizing it to her. I mean, yeah, she may be awful, but I'm not going to say because you're awful, I'm leaving, you know? Um, so I might say, you know, listen, I'm trying to focus on XYZ right now. And I just, I don't think I can maintain this friendship and do that. And so I'm going to have to step away. And you know, I love you. I, I just, I just can't do this anymore. And I know that sounds very formal. Um, it's normal in a romantic relationship to have these mile markers. And it's understood that if you're ending it, you will have the decency of having a conversation. But with friendships, it's, it's the same thing. If there's a mutual fading out, then sometimes, in my opinion, that doesn't require a formal conversation. If both parties are kind of, it's understood, we're getting busy, we don't prioritize each other anymore. But as soon as one person's under the impression that we're going to be engaging the same way and another one's made up their mind they don't want to, well, now I've got to clarify because there would be an issue here and I might leave somebody hanging. And so I always advise never ghost, have a conversation in the medium that's most appropriate for you all. So if we see each other every day, it might not make sense for me to email you and, and trying to do it in what's alignment of like our regular rhythm. And then also get clear on why you're so hesitant to end it in the first place. A lot of people will say, well, because I don't know what she's going to say about me to the other girls. We'll never be able to control her narrative. I know that's not comforting, but you'll never be able to control how she tells people how it went down. You can't. But are you comfortable releasing that? Because the alternative is what? 
that you stay friends with her because you're scared she'll spin the narrative if you don't and let it cause you stress every day. And if we're being honest, I'm sure you've been here, but with my husband, for example, if a woman's giving me drama, I used to, I'm complaining about her to him and I'm talking to my other friends about it and I'm dodging her calls. It is more stressful to do all that and I'm roping other people in than to have an uncomfortable conversation to let her know. And she can be mad and she might be vile, but at least she's got to respect the fact that I made it really clear and I'm ready to release the the friendship with as much grace as possible. And how do you do that without creating the drama? Like my fear would be, even if I wrote a nice email or sat down with her and said like, oh, you know, I just feel like we're, we have different priorities and whatever, that then she would go nuclear as soon as she, you know, walked away from the table. Or like you said, she changed the narrative, which she probably will to protect herself. And then I just get afraid of like, oh God, how does that impact me? Right. Well, you know, I like to take things to like, I don't think we talk about friendship enough from a wellness perspective because research tells us, and I'm and I'm coming back here. No, I love it. Research tells us that the thing that has the greatest impact on our overall life satisfaction and well-being is not our income or our marital status, but the quality of our relationships. And the key word there is quality. So you're not doing yourself any favors physically, mentally, and emotionally to keep a friendship that is not quality for you. So a lot of us like to say, well, you know, she's she's been my friend forever and I want to honor that. But if it's this obligatory friendship that every time you you get together, you're thinking, God, I wish I could, I should have been spending my time somewhere else. And you're fussing at your husband about her. That does no one any favors. Um, it's even considered ruinous empathy. Oh, I feel bad for her, so I'm going to stay. But first of all, she deserves somebody in her company who appreciates what she has to give. And you don't need to be spending your time to do somebody favors. There's just not enough time for that. So to your question about, well, how do I do this without avoiding the drama? The truth is sometimes you can't. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you cannot do this with a guarantee of there will be no collateral damage that she won't pop off on you. She just might. And so a lot of times with clients, I like to ask, like, what is the biggest fear? And then let's prepare for that. Like, let's lean into that because once we do, we'll see, oh, even the worst case scenario is survivable. I'll be okay. It will be uncomfortable. She might spin the narrative to other people. And then how will I deal with that? But is it worth me hanging on for an unforeseeable amount of time because I don't want to be uncomfortable because I don't want her to get mad at me? All those things may happen. I mean, friendship breakups are really hard. And if somebody tells you like, hey, I I don't want to do this anymore, we do take it personally. In friendship, you know, it starts because somebody chose you. So when somebody unchooses you, that is very painful. You know, am I not interesting enough, funny enough, worth your time? You're stirring all those things up in me when you tell me you want to leave. And so, you know, it is what it is. Um, Research also tells us that we replace half of our friends every seven years. So to some extent, we have to expect there will be like this natural pruning every now and then. But if I told you that, like, yeah, she is going to blow up and she is going to spin the narrative. Now what? That would be the, the thing that I would encourage a client to spend time on because that's really what's going on is being scared of someone being upset with you or being scared that people will misunderstand you when it's over. I mean, it's the risk you take, but why the fear? Right. And sometimes do you ask uh, a client, or I would say I ask myself or my daughters, like, forget all the drama that will happen if they ghost you or you ghost them or you lose them or they lose. Do you want to be their friend? Like, is this important to you? Is this worth fighting for? 
right? A hundred percent. And, you know, is it worth being all up in knots to have that cringy conversation? Yeah. And, and, you know, healthy conflict is good. It serves a purpose because it brings us closer. I get a chance to understand you better. So if of, of all your experiences, you've determined, no, I think it's worth it. Like, I love what she brings to my life. She adds value to my life. I think this is just a really awkward period. Well, then fight for it or save it by having the conversation. Um, I always like to say, you know, starting a hard conversation by doing this exercise. What is the reason you're reluctant to have the conversation? In my opinion, that should be your opening line because it does bring in vulnerability. So for example, that might look like, listen, I want to talk to you about something, but I have been hesitant to do it because the last thing I want is for it to stir a bunch of drama with, with the other girls. That's the last thing I want. But I feel like if we're going to be on the same page, like I, I, I got to bring this up. Because they're less likely to do the thing if you call it out. And it also lets her know I'm I'm on your team and I've been thoughtful about this. And my objective is to get some harmony, not to come at you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you realize I have to have a hard conversation, but I'm scared of my end the friendship. If you believe it's worth it, I mean, bring that thought from your brain to your lips and say, I've been hesitant to say this, but I'm going to because... Like, I love you. Like, you're my girl, you know? So I thought I'd bring this up and just see how it goes. Now, if she becomes indignant or she's like, I can't believe you or gets, you know, dramatic. Well, that, now you look at that. But at least you can say, I, I mean, I really tried to tell her where I was coming from. Um, it's interesting. I read that a lot of psychologists have in the past sometimes monitored their subjects' blood pressure by being in the presence of people who made them feel good and made them feel bad. And they did actually see a physical change, you know, blood pressure going up and down, depending on who they're the friends that they were with and how they made them feel. Um, I find that I say this to my daughters and I say this to myself, does this person make you feel good? Can you base friendships on how does that person make me feel? Do I feel good around them? Yes or no? I'm going to say yes, but I will say, you know, just like with marriage, if we were saying, how's your spouse make you feel? Well, most of the time. Great. If you can do that, then yes. If I take an aerial view of the last 10 interactions y'all had, how many of the 10 were positive and, and contribute to your overall feeling of the friendship? Because I know sometimes we get into these seasons where it's not feeling good or it feels awkward. And we're like, well, lately I'm not feeling good about it. Okay. When I take that aerial view though, does the positive for the most part outweigh the negative? Um, you know, according to research, you need for a relationship to be positive, a ratio of five to one five positive interactions to one negative in order for it to kind of balance out. So especially, you know, for young people teaching them early, for the most part, is it a, a pleasurable experience being together for the most part? And if the answer is yes, yes. But as soon as, yeah, you start to think, I don't know if, if, if I even want this friendship. I don't know. Sometimes that's enough. As soon as you want out, then maybe you should not be in. And because who wants to be friends with somebody who kind of wants out? You know, so sometimes that's enough and you don't need another person to validate, well, oh, that's a bad reason or a good reason. Now, I will say sometimes having this conversation with clients, we do discover that they have maybe unhealthy expectations of friendship to begin with. And then we need to talk about that because nobody feels good or the one time they have uh, an issue, they want to leave or, you know, so we talk through that or they expect that a friend should be everything or she should have to read your mind. And it's like, no, did you tell her that it made you uncomfortable? Well, no, but I shouldn't have to tell her. Okay, well, let's talk about that, you know? And so sometimes our expectations of friendship itself, oh, I don't need a therapist. I have my friends. Okay, well, talking to your friend is therapeutic. 
but they are not your therapist. You know, is their experience of your friendship that every time y'all get together, they've got to be your therapist? Is that fair at some point that that's their role in the dynamic that is your friendship? You know, so sometimes it's the expectation of what this woman's supposed to offer you that we need to assess first. Yeah, yeah. And it's time for a short break. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Great, let's get back to it. Okay, let me ask you this. You're on the other side of it. Okay. How can you tell if you're being ghosted? That's such a great question. This is hard because this is something I'd like us to get better at collectively as women. Mm -hmm. I think because we do the whole like, oh, no, we're good. What are you talking about? We're fine. We know because we do that to suspect that, that like, well, yeah, I asked her if we're good. And she said yes. So we don't know if we should believe it because that's how we tend to operate. We don't you know, want confrontation. We don't want to look like we're being like a bee, you know. But also women trust their gut. 
So what happens for women is their gut is saying there is definitely something wrong. There is something going on here. And when you're met with like, no, we're cool. It's good. It's good. But you know that's not true. You know, do you verbalize it? Do you make yourself vulnerable and go, look, I just is, I can tell like you're pulling away or does that, you know, make you feel like too insecure? Yeah. Well, speaking of the word insecure on that show, insecure, there's this moment where the two main stars of the show are grocery shopping together. And one of them says, are we good? Like, I feel like we've been off. Right. And the other one's like, yeah, we've been off. And they're like, okay, we'll talk about that. And it gave me goosebumps because I wish we did that more. Because again, if we put it in like a romantic sphere, of course, we're going to address if something feels weird to reconnect. But why not do that in, in friendship? So is that a little vulnerability? And there's that risk of rejection there. She might minimize and be like, what are you talking about? Sure, that's all possible. But again, at least you gave her the opportunity. You tried to facilitate that conversation by saying, this, it could just be in my head, but we're okay, right? Because I know we chatted, you know, like every day and now we, we're kind of missing each other, you know, here or there every week. It's okay to say that. It doesn't have to be this formal, intense thing, but almost like a matter of fact. Now, if she is not honest with her feelings and says to you, yeah, we're good. That's on her. And of course, you mm-hmm. know, be observant. If I notice that every time I try to hang out, she's busy, but she doesn't work to negotiate with me because a friend should be saying, ah, I can't get together on Sunday, but let's do Tuesday. She's working with me. If I've tried to reach out to you and it's like, yeah, I'm just busy and there's no effort to try to kind of get on the same page, then you're right. Like our intuition's strong. We know she's not feeling it for whatever reason, but it's not our job to become paranoid and figure it out. As an adult, it is her responsibility to communicate why she's upset if she was invested in the friendship. And even if she's not, it's her job to say like, actually, I am kind of upset about what you said last night. That's her job. But I, I've i seen too many women who spiral because they're like, I know it in my gut, something's wrong. But the other friend's not being honest. Well, at this point, do we want to be at the mercy of waiting for them to give us clarity if they just won't? Yeah. And also, how much clarity should they give? Meaning, how honest should you be? I know I have one friend and her girlfriend kind of broke up with her by just saying, well, we had a good run. And she's still scratching her head. She's still like, what? (laughs) We had a good run? Like, what? I don't even know what that means. On the other hand, you know, I I don't necessarily want to sit down and be told like, well, you know, you're really clingy and I can't deal sometimes with your insecurities. You're always talking about, should you lose weight? And it just gets really tedious. Like how truthful should the person be when breaking up? You know, it depends. You know, I I like the idea of saying what you need instead of what they're doing. But again, it depends on a lot of things. It depends on y'all's history. If we have a lot of history, maybe I know you can absorb me being direct. It depends on what you've seen of how she responds. Is she very defensive? Because in that case, I might see, okay, every time you say anything to her, she is so defensive. I've determined it's not worth it because of the evidence she's shown me that she's going to get too crazy right now. So it depends on kind of all those things. Is it helpful? to list that thing, you know, because sometimes it's a, it's a turning point for her. So is it helpful for me to say, listen, I mean, I know you're going through a lot right now, but I know every time we get together, it's, it's just really heavy and I want to support you, but I just, I feel like I, I, I can't support you anymore emotionally. It's a lot for me, but that's helpful. I'm giving you some clarity on why I'm leaving. It might help you to see that you need to get out of this funk because it's super negative 
or, or whatever it is. So, you know, is the critique that you're giving, is the specificity helpful? What's the point in being specific? Does it give her clarity? So she's not running around wondering why you ghosted her? Is it something she can work on? But yeah, but the story you're telling of a friend who's like, well, we had a good run. I mean, that's, you know, hurtful. <laughs> well, that'll make you crazy. I mean, yeah. she's crazy. She's lost her mind now. And I also think that that's what ghosting does too. I have a few friends that have been ghosted and like they spend years trying to figure out what happened. And I find that really unfair. And I'll also tell you, Danielle, that I had a friend for 25 years, like really close, one of my best friends. And I made a mistake. And I made a mistake because I text something about her, a, a, a creative negative thing about her to my husband, and I accidentally texted it to her. Mm. I know it's everybody's nightmare. When, every time I tell this story, somebody, they like go under the couch or, the, you know, it was one of those text mistakes, right? Yeah. I screwed up. I screwed up. I threw myself on the sword with her. I'm like, I was nervous. I was anxious. I was worried. And I said, I wasn't trying to be malicious. Da, 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 da. I sent her flowers. I baked her a cake. I made her a photo album of the past 25 years of us together. I was like, don't throw 25 years of friendship away because I'm an idiot. And she never spoke to me again. Mm. And it's been a few years now. And I I still don't understand it, you know, and it's hard for me not to go like, but that one thing, that one thing, you know, and which was just stupid on my part, that couldn't be forgiven. And then other people say, look, you don't know what was going on with her. It could have been a perfect storm of other things. And that was like the final, like she could have been already feeling bad. But whatever it is, I find when you're the person that has been broken up with, that it's hard to move on yourself if you've been just completely shut off and ghosted. And you're forever going, God, how, what, what could I have done better to get her to forgive me? So, you know, but it was hurtful. And I think it's been really hurtful on both sides. Yeah. I was just having a session with somebody today and we're talking about all the things. And finally, we get to the heart of the matter. And she says something about being ghosted last year. And so how it's complicated, how she tried to move forward with other people. And yeah, it's hard because to your point, we don't know what's going on with her. We don't know if for her it was something where now she feels like whenever she gets together with you, she doesn't know if you're genuinely enjoying this time or are you secretly hating it and you're telling somebody else that you're hating time with her, like what's real and what's not. Mm -hmm. And even though you're so genuine in your apologies, and I love that you said, I mean, 25 years compared to this one little instance, but it's at the end of the day, her right to say what's too much and maybe it's a trust issue or whatever it is. But yeah, it does really suck when we do make a mistake and we would like to hope that our gestures or our history will make the case for why they should forgive us, but they get to say, and it is very vulnerable to put the ball in their court and we're waiting for them to say, I forgive you. Let's go back to normal. For some people, they feel like they can't go back to normal after that because they had a certain idea of how this is supposed to go. But, you know, in terms of moving on so that we're not constantly ruminating about that, um, women, you know, are more likely to have, you know, anxiety and depression than men. And a lot of it's because we ruminate. And so just fixating on that and wondering, what did I do? What did I do? You know, accepting, and I know this is easier said than done, accepting that things will probably never go back to the way they were. 
I will probably never know. Yeah. How can I move forward knowing that I will probably never know? Um, I always like to say in terms of moving on, you have to find a way to stop repeating and rehearsing. So repeating is when we're agonizing over what happened and we're playing out like different scenarios. I mean, if only she said this and I could have been, well, that's not possible anymore. And then rehearsing for, I mean, if I saw her on the street again, then I would say da 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 da. And so it's hard to, to, get let go of those two things, but we have to find a way to be grateful about the experience. So at the risk of sounding life coachy, if there's any way we can start to get to, you know what? I'm thankful I had her friendship for 25 years. I really needed her companionship, but I'm glad I had her when I did. I mean, and even if we're not totally there yet in our emotions, at least we can kind of get there in our brain and our emotions will catch up. Um, But the quicker we can get to, I may never know Mm-hmm. And with that information, how can I find a way to move forward instead of ruminating would be like the healthiest plan. Yeah. And I think it's a process like any breakup. And for me, it was, what did I, what, what could I have done? What could I have done? Uh, oh, what can I do more? What can I do more? What do you more? And then it was anger, like, hey, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> I'm great. And then it, it finally got to the point where I went, maybe this was the friendship it was supposed to be. And that was it. Like these 25 years were great, you know, and maybe there are relationships that are different times, you know, and some last a lifetime and some last 10 years and some last a year. So for me, that's what gave me final closure. This idea of I treasure that time. And that was the beginning, middle and end of that friendship. And now I, you know, triple check every time I text somebody because, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Now I got to be careful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, I think with friendships, there are reasons that you have the friends you have in high school. And then suddenly, and this is a generalization, you have kids and suddenly you're only hanging out with other women that have kids Mm -hmm. because it's all, it's a village and you want information and you're sharing the same things. And then you get older. And then now, because of my age, I just realized all my friends are about to be empty nesters. So that's all we share is like, oh my God, our kids are going, our parents are aging. Should I get a neck lift? And what am I going to do with my husband when my kids are gone? Like, you know, so some of those friendships can last through all those different milestones in life, but some don't, right? A hundred percent. And and the the fundamentals of friendship are, you know, shared values, shared experiences, common interests. So as long as those keep shifting, the people in our lives will, you know, inevitably shift as well as we kind of explore different aspects of our identity. You know, becoming a mom for many of us is like who we are. And so having people who relate to that, who can accommodate that kind of lifestyle, because now the way you live your life looks a little bit different. And so, yeah, so it's to be expected that the people around us will kind of shift as well. You know, there's this concept, it's called Dunbar's number. And the idea is that our brains only have the capacity to maintain 150 connections, like the cognitive capacity to maintain 150 connections. But then there are these circles, like imagine smaller circles inside of that number getting gradually smaller. At the heart of that circle, the the smallest one is the number five, meaning we can only have the capacity for five uh, close, meaningful relationships. And he says that if you have a romantic partner, 
he or she takes up two of those five spaces because of all that's required to maintain this relationship with your significant other. So if that's the case, we've really got room for three to five close friendships. Now, I always say research should just be like a loose guideline because some Mm -hmm. people are like, well, I've got six. I'm like, oh, okay, great. But you know, (laughs) this concept of, you know, you only have room for a certain amount of people. I say that to say, if the people in that bucket kind of change and maybe one person floats to the outer circle because of where you are, but they're still in your life, but they're kind of like a weaker tie and then they come back because of something that happened. That's okay. And it's to be expected, you know, especially those of us who move, you've got work from home, more people are moving across the country. It's changing the dynamic of our relationships just because of something like that, because you're twice as likely to make friends with somebody who's closer proximity to you. So she's going to make new friends uh, in her neighborhood or people she sees all the time at the coffee shop and, you know, not necessarily replace you, but there's a shifting that happens like these tectonic plates underneath that are moving and grooving as, as we become different people. But those friends who are ride or die with you for 20 years, it's people who are able to support the different aspects of your identity as you continue to evolve. And not everyone can do that. Yeah. I also think that that sometimes a friendship is really the give and take. I don't have patience with somebody whose life is always great. You know what I mean? Like if I feel like I'm the one always going like, you know, oh my God, and and, and the nuclear war, and what about this? And I'm worried about this. And they're always like, no, oh, great. No, like my marriage is super good. Everything's fine, fine, fine. It's, you know, you're playing strip poker with someone in a down parka. Yeah, that's that's hard. You know, there's this concept by a friendship expert. Her name is Shasta Nelson. And she has this idea called frentimacy, a frentimacy triangle. So if you imagine a triangle Mm -hmm. and a word on each of those sides, she says that we need these three things in order to have like depth in our friendship. Uh, the first is positivity. And that appears at the base of the triangle because she argues that if it's not a pleasurable experience, I'm not going to elect to build anything else with you. So it's got to be positive for the most part. The next thing is consistency. So we see each other with some kind of rhythm. Like I'm talking to you and checking in on you with some kind of regularity. And finally, vulnerability. You know, So to your point, if I feel like I'm kind of opening up to you, but you want to pretend that everything's great and you don't share, it feels off balance. And so if we're looking for more depth in our existing friendships, I always encourage us, well, think, how can you increase the positivity level? Have you all gotten into a a rhythm of chronic complaining and venting all the time? I mean, sometimes, yeah, that's what we do, but all the time, you know, and then consistency, are we seeing each other or checking in regularly? And then finally, vulnerability, are are we opening up? Are we taking risks of of being rejected, but we're still going to put ourselves out there with each other? Because those are the three things that help us to feel close. And for a lot of people, if we're able to identify what's lacking there, it kind of solves the mystery of, of, of what's going on and why we feel unsatisfied in certain relationships. So with that example, you know, feeling like, well, I'm opening up to her, but she's pretending everything's fine. She needs to humanize herself some more. Like you can't relate to someone who everything's fine. Well, then what's what's the point? You know, what am I here to support you through? Or I can't relate to that as a person, so I don't feel connected to you. And then, you know, that consistent rhythm we talked about earlier, and then, you know, positivity overall, that five to one ratio. And so I always feel like that's a good barometer to see like, overall, am I feeling connected? And if not, and I want to be more connected, it helps give me some language to understand what it is I need to be pursuing to experience that more. Right. We'll be right back. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. 
For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. And we're back. It's interesting watching my teenage girls because, you know, the teenage girls are full on into everything you're talking about. I mean, teenage girls should have a friendship coach like they do a college counselor because it's all girl drama all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and then you bring the boys in, there's all of that. And so I think these are all good lessons for that age as well. And I sometimes, you know, one of my daughters will come in you know, see me angry about something or see me crying about something. And I'm like, it doesn't change. You know what I mean? Like, I'm still dealing with mean girls or I'm still dealing with, you know, try to figure it out now. Believe me, because it'll be a calmer life. Because on the other side of it, my 86-year-old mother, you know, there's a few kind of great things she said to me over the years. Like, don't go to the Bahamas in July. And (laughs) another great thing she said to me was, never underestimate your female friendships. Mm. You know, she's like, that is what's going to get you through life. And that resonated with me in a big way. I love hearing that. You know, it's it's funny. I made this TikTok a couple weeks ago, and I did not expect it to go viral. It was about how our relationships with our mother 
kind of affects how we approach female friendship. So if you had a mom who was saying, you don't need these girls or you can't trust people, I mean, things like that will affect how you enter into adulthood. And so many of us are growing up unlearning certain attitudes toward female friendship. Do you find that that women do with other female friends what they do sometimes with men or women they're in love relationships with where they meet somebody, another woman, and you go, oh, this is going to be my best friend. This is going to make everything good. You know what I mean? It's like the joke is like, oh my God, we're going to braid each other's hair and do face masks every (laughs) night. Like, I think adult women have that sort of same thing too of like, you know, are you my bestie? Are you my bestie? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's hard because like, I've definitely had that too, where you have like that instant chemistry and you're like, oh my, okay. Like you're my soulmate, you know? Yeah. And so I think we've all had that. And I always say like, yeah, take pleasure in that. Take delight in that when you meet that woman and it feels very easy. However, if you have a belief that that will sustain you guys for the rest of your friendship, then you are misguided. Or if you're using that as the barometer of whether or not to enter into friendship, oh, I need to feel chemistry right away. Then that would be misguided as well. As a matter of fact, there's a a study in which they asked women, do you believe that making friends should be easy or do you expect that it will like take some work? And they followed these women over a span of five years. The women who said, I think friendship should be easy were reporting greater feelings of loneliness than the women who said, I expect I'll probably have to work at it. And so even from the beginning, keeping those expectations that I'll probably have to communicate my needs and be patient with her and she's going to be patient with me and we'll talk it through. We have to expect and normalize that that will happen. But all this imagery we've been fed on the media of instant chemistry and braid each other's hair, if we don't have that in real life, we're questioning everything, but that's not real life, you know? So the instant chemistry thing I think is nice. And I think sometimes we're secretly, you know, I once heard another friendship expert say we're secretly auditioning for a best friend sometimes when we meet women and we want her to be totally perfect and have all the things. And I always say, if we're keeping it real, you don't have all the things for your friends either. There is something you lack for them, but they love you and and you still offer a lot of value to their world. Give me some of your favorite notions about women's friendship. You must have some kind of inspirational quote that you've put on your refrigerator or you've Instagrammed. (laughs) Yeah. You know, one thing I'll say, I know I keep saying research says, and I sound like Steve Urkel over here, but you know. No, but I like it. Smarty pants. I I get, you know, I think it's interesting because, you know, we're all familiar with fight or flight as a stress response. But when they did that study over again, they did it with women in the 90s, early 90s, I think. And they found that we have a greater range of responses to stress. And two of those responses are tend or befriend, meaning we will seek out the company of another woman. And when we come together, we produce more levels of oxytocin, which actually calms the stress that we have. And so I always say, like, even on a, you know, physiological, biological level, female friendship is so life-giving. You know, whenever I do make videos and stuff about female friendship, so beautiful. Naturally, there are people in the comments who are like, well, I've had women who've been awful. I get along better with men. And all those experiences are valid. They really are. But at the end of the day, there's nothing like going through this life in the same way. We share the experience of being a woman in this world. And for me, that is enough. And I, you know, understand where we're different and, you know, interracial friendships. Okay, I'm going to experience things that you don't all that. But being a woman in this world, I'm going to need some friends who can share that experience with me. And I really do think it's that simple. Well, let me just tell you something that just came to my mind. And maybe it's because of what's happening in the world right now. I think if you put all women in the war room, in the situation room, or you put all men in the war room, there are going to be two completely different <laughs> outcomes. 
And uh, I would assume a more peaceful conclusion if it were all women in the war room. Agreed. Danielle, I have been barraging you with questions because I'm so fascinated by the subject. But at the end of my podcast, I like to turn it around and say, do you have a question for me? And it can be about anything. Well, I want to get you to weigh in on something I was debating with friends. Okay, good. Okay. So you know how you have like books that you love or this 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 song that you just love. When you find out that the the artist, so like the author or the singer themselves did something problematic or they, they have this crazy history or whatever, are you able to separate like, oh, this artist is, is crazy and they've done these things, but man, I love that song. Or are we supposed to like not love that song anymore? We had a little debate among my friend group and I was curious as to how you feel about that. How you separate the artist from the art. My feeling is that, like, let me let me say this. I, I'm not 100% behind cancel culture. You know, I do think people deserve second chances. So it, it's hard for me to answer because I do think you have to be specific about what it is. I'll tell you one that I grapple with is Woody Allen mm. because, you know, I like his earlier films. I really do. And yet he's never been convicted, but there has been obviously court cases about child molestation. So it has changed how I look at his films. Yes. Once I have the information, it's hard for me to separate the artist from the art, but it depends on the degree of the crime of the artist, I guess that. Is that what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Okay. I just realized that was kind of an intense question. No, no. But 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 the reason you're talking about it with your girlfriends is the exact same reason I talk about it with my girlfriends because I'm trying to figure it out too. Like when do we when do we become too totalitarian where we're like no they're gone you know cancel and when do we go okay they made a mistake they said this thing and they apologized for it. Do they get a second chance or, oh, they're a child pornographer? You know what I mean? Like it's, there are degrees. Okay. I don't mind a hard question. I just, um, it's not a succinct answer. I'm still trying to figure out just like you are. Okay. Okay. Now tell me what you think. I guess it does depend on like what it is. I was asking because there's this book that's being turned into a movie and I'm like, oh my God, it's so good. I can't wait. And I had people say like, oh, you know, she's problematic because she did this one thing. And, And I was like, oh. Oh, but I'm conflicted. Like that's still one of my favorite books. And right now, if I go, do I look like I'm less feministy if I'm like, but I still want to see that movie though. Right. You know, so we were just kind of having that conversation. I thought it, I was just curious. Danielle, I, I could stay on for a few hours. There are so many layers to it. And I just applaud what you do. I think my 19-year-old should be one of your clients. Yeah, no, I appreciate you. I, I, I'm so glad to see that more women are making space to have this conversation. It's so important. And so thank you for letting me come on and, and lend my voice to the conversation. Wow, I think Danielle is amazing. And I have to say, when I thought about the idea of a friendship coach, I was a little skeptical. I didn't really understand what a friendship coach would do that like a therapist couldn't do. I mean, (laughs) listen, romantic relationships are incredibly difficult, but girlfriend relationships are really hard. 
When I've broken up with boys, it's been like, uh, you cheated on me or I don't like you anymore and we're done. It's so much more difficult with our girlfriends. And the other thing that I think is so interesting about a lot of what Danielle said is you never outgrow this stuff. We love our girlfriends and they give us so much strength and a floor for everything we do. But they are relationships and they can be fraught and... I think we could all use a girlfriend coach. Thank you for listening to Go Ask Gally. If you'd like more info, check out our show notes. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast and follow me on social media on Twitter at Allie E. Wentworth and on Instagram at The Real Allie Wentworth. Now, if you'd like to ask me a question or suggest a guest or a topic to dig into, I'd love to hear from you. And there's a bunch of ways to do it. You can call or text me at 323-364-6356, or you can email a voice memo right from your phone to goaskalleypodcast at gmail.com. If you leave a question... You just might hear it on Go Ask Alley. Go Ask Alley is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.